There we are. Just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. There it goes. All right. YouTube's taking its own sweet time tonight. Excellent. Oh, welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 192, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night to view the two-time world champion as far as Talking Heads viewers goes over there in Rhett. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek, if you couldn't tell by the background. Uh, did I mention podcast form? I don't think I did. Thanks for watching the show or catching us on the replay in podcast form over on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you are drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, please let us know in the chat and we'll give some shout outs as we go along. All Super Scratch are read on the air so long as they don't demonetize me. And if you'd like to join the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description. It'll get you exclusive access to my my discord server where you can chat with myself john rhett steve all the hosts from talking heads and keep the conversation going with the awesome and ever-growing community that hangs out there well said well well spoken <laughs> it's a little bit better and a little bit worse every time nothing wrong with that that's right uh i used to say that about new image day whenever i was creating uh new reference images for windows uh, every image that I do, it gets a little bit better and something gets a little bit worse. <laughs> and anyone who's ever done windows imaging knows, knows exactly that. That's just the state of the universe, you know, it's like okay. the, the ship of the, the Theseus, you know, yep. <laughs> sorry, Ship's notes, notes coming open. in from the producer. That's all right. Breaking news. This just in. Yeah. Uh, We've got beers to drink is what is just in. That's right. The dogs decided to chase the cat up the stairs <laughs> at the same time. All right. I am, I'm back now. Uh, we do indeed have, have some beers to drink. Uh, a couple of these come courtesy of Novella Hub. He uh, sent me a quite generous beer shipment this last month, and I'm finally starting to dig into a lot of them. Uh, let's see. First off, I have Now I Am Death, Destroyer of Worlds from Adroit Theory, uh, which has some pretty fantastic can art on it. Nice. Uh, this is a 10% triple IPA. Uh, really can't wait to dig into that one. I'll probably start with that one. Uh, next up, we have Max's, Addi Max's Addiction. Excuse me. Uh, this is from Infusion Brewing Company in Omaha, Nebraska. And forgive me, I don't remember who sent this one over, but someone sent this one out as well. Uh, this is a 6.2% uh, Toffee Bar Milk Stout. So it should be a nice, interesting one. And then for a nightcap, I've got from Indeed Brewing, also sent by Novella Hub, the Queen uh, Whiskey Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout. This is a 10.5%. So... I'm going to let this one get to room temperature before I, I crack into it. What you got over there in uh, your neck of the woods? Excellent. Yeah, well, I'm going to be starting things off with, you know, it, it's a bit of an Oregon staple. We got some Deschutes brewing here, and I've got the Fresh Haze IPA. Oh, yes. It's a classic, but um, I was working outside in the heat, and 
this beer is refreshing. So one of my favorite cold opens to any of my episodes ever was the uh, the fresh squeeze IPA from Deschutes, yeah. where I picked it off of my apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Oh, that is a good one. All right. I think I'm going to crack open this. Uh, now I am death destroyer of worlds. Triple IPA. And again, if you are drinking along with us, let us know in the chat. And as soon as this uh, wonderful looking beer finishes pouring, uh, I'll give some shout outs. Already oh, getting yeah. called out for no Rainier. <laughs> no Rainier? Is this really a ret show? People got to have their... Y'all like to tease me for the Rainier, but number one, baby. <laughs> it's true although i'm pretty sure on the two episodes that you were number one uh you were drinking some craft along with me so i gotta go back and look i i should have i should have taken that into consideration i just saw the flashy sweater and knew that that was like <laughs> ingredient numero uno yeah oh god was that the red beer episode oh i hope not <laughs> oh you know one of them was one of them yeah. might have been <laughs> trying to think of when that was yeah oh man i needed the red beer it was awesome <laughs> oh all right we got rev uh chiming in he's having some belching beaver pineapple and mango hard seltzer uh, i didn't know belching beaver had any hard seltzer yet i hadn't seen any so very cool uh drinking pepsi max sorry no sorry needed nothing at all there I'm at work, so it's pretty much the only time I am awake for this ever. Uh, Thomas, thank you for joining us on the show. Glad you could finally make a live show. Uh, wake Brewing, all gas, no breaks, triple IPA. That sounds delicious. Uh, listening while I'm drinking water, that's from Cum. Uh, as long as they don't demonetize me, well, that rules Big Big Spoon out <laughs> from Cold Trip <laughs> Gaming. <laughs> yep. Uh and you know, uh, gosh, who was the, uh, was it Vlad who always chimed in with the, uh, the, the street safe tips? Uh, we'll, we'll read Vlad if he super chats. Uh, let's see. Uh, Yatri's drinking a Lapsang uh, Sochang, uh, cold brewed for the heat. That's uh, the, uh, that's the tea that, um, Patrick Stewart wanted ah, Picard to have, but they were like, right. that's not British enough or yeah. whatever, you know? So, um, so they had him go with Earl Grey, which I hear he didn't really like in real life, but he agreed anyway. <laughs> it yep. sounded punchier. It sounds very British. It's very, but, very distinguished gentleman-y tea. Yeah. The, the Lapsang Suchong though, that's like, they, they smoke it over pine wood. So it has like a real oh. smoky flavor. It's really good. How do and I not know about that? Because it's not easy to find like uh stash, you know, you used to be able to go to like some of the, the more mm -hmm. off the wall grocery stores. Yeah. Um, and they would have it all the time and you could buy it just like you could Earl Grey from stash or who or twinings rather twinings is who I'm thinking of. And but now you can't ever find it anywhere. You have to order it on Amazon or order it online somewhere. Uh, speaking of, here's a one pound bag of stash tea, Lapsing Sochong, for 21 bucks on Amazon. That's not bad. A pound? Nice. A pound. 
I dig it. Yeah, it's really good stuff. It's it's really pungent if you're not used to it, but it was for like a few years, the only tea that I drank because I got, I wasn't drinking coffee and I was kind of sick of like green tea. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of had that strong flavor to go along with it. It was, it was, it was Winston Churchill's tea of choice as well. Okay. I think I've heard, I, I know I've heard the name, but I've never heard anyone describe what it was and I, I i do like tea but i i usually just go with like a straight up black tea or, or something yeah. like that uh, i i don't really experiment with it i do like tea yeah <laughs> but it, it's nothing i've gotten into the weeds with you'd probably enjoy it it really the smokiness really reminds me of how they do um like lagavulin if you yeah. had lagavulin yeah um i think which is also pine wood smoked i don't know Maybe not. You know what? Here's, I made a, that up. here's a three ounce uh, starter. So I think I'm going to do that. That's only seven bucks. So if I don't like it, I'm not stuck with a full pound of it. There you go. But it'll be here tomorrow. Sweet. Enjoy. I'm literally buying it while I'm sitting here. There we go. Use this if you have to measure it yourself, make sure that you measure it appropriately. Yes. Yeah, it's loose leaf. Yeah. Make sure you measure it appropriately or you might not like it. <laughs> All right. Now that I've ordered some tea. What a way to start off the show. <laughs> we can continue the show. Oh, let's see. What else we got here? Nice price. Flying Fish Abbey Belgian Ale. Always love a good Abbey. Uh, let's see. Uh, Teeling Whiskey, Small Batch, Rum Cask from 2018. That's Patrick Cooper. Uh, I've been really digging a lot of the Rum Cask finish whiskeys as of late. Uh, gosh, who was uh, one of the Caribbean cask? Tullamore Dew. Tullamore Dew has a fantastic one. Uh, that's a rum finish uh, barrel-aged Scott or uh, Irish whiskey. And uh, been really digging that one. In fact, I uh, basically I can turn that into like a rum style old fashioned, and it's just amazing. A uh, little bit of pineapple, a little bit of uh, of uh, cardamom bitters, and that thing just—it's so good. Uh, dang it! Now I'm wanting a <laughs> now I'm wanting an old fashioned. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the news. Starting with, uh, we'll start with the top story because this one I have some strong opinions on. Uh, rant alert is on standby. Uh, but this is uh, according to Kotaku, and in fact, a couple of different uh, news outlets picked it up. Uh, but a man has been arrested in Japan for selling modded Breath of the Wild save files. Let me repeat that. A man, 27 years old, has been arrested in Japan for selling modded Breath of the Wild save files. Now, Japan does have a law called the Unfair Competition Prevention Act, or Prevention Law. And what it is designed to do is prevent the sale of modified save files or cheats or exploits in the breadth of the online gaming community. Uh, so things like uh, exploits for, let me see if I can find my mouse there so I can drag that off of your face. There we go. Um, 
exploits for like CSGO or Apex Legends or, you know, go down the list of popular online multiplayer competitive games. Uh, yeah, it's against the law to distribute those. I still disagree. I, I, I disagree with their use, but I also disagree that you shouldn't be able to cheat in like local games. And so I have a hard time looking at at people who make cheats and trainers and things like that and going, you're breaking the law. No. <laughs> well, especially because like aside from the the quote describing it as the quote unquote strongest software. Yeah. You know, I, I want to know what he's doing because people do this here in the States for MMOs where they'll grind a character to max level and then sell the account to somebody that wants it. Right. So is this guy getting Breath of the Wild and then just grinding the game and giving it to people who aren't good enough to get all the heart containers or to get I'm assuming. All the... But but let me let me show you something here. Uh so this is an online Breath of the Wild save editor that I just imported one of my Breath of the Wild saves into. Uh, and look, I can modify how many rupees I have. I can add weapons. I can <laughs> I can do all kinds of fun stuff. They got everything. Right. Uh, so I can visit all the map locations. I can clear my map pins. Uh, let's go into the weapon editor. So here's the weapons I currently have. Uh, I can set attack rating. So let's say I want to set attack 50. All of a sudden that, that broadsword's going to hit for 80 points instead of, you know, 32 or whatever it, it happened to be. Uh, so I can also replace the weapons. Let's say I don't want a guardian sword. Let's say I want a, a soldier's broadsword instead. I can change all that kind of stuff on the fly. I can add weapons. Let's be clear. This is a single player game. Now there are competitive spaces for Breath of the Wild as far as speedrunning goes, but speedrunning moderates itself. The communities themselves moderate the actions and, and what gets published and what gets approved. And I'm not saying cheating doesn't happen, but it's a self-policing system. And typically with speedruns, you're gonna know pretty quick if someone modded in 10,000 rupees and and a overpowered, you know, royal broadsword. Not difficult to figure out. Uh, but it's a single player game. And first off, shame on anyone who went out and paid money for a modded file. They Their Google Foo is no good because this modifier is the first thing you come up with when you search Breath of the Wild save. <laughs> Like this so, editor. <laughs> so I'm, you know, just because, you know, I'm trying to read the fine print of this article here. Mm -hmm. Kotaku is pretty vague on some specifics of the details and mm -hmm. injects like a fair bit of opinion into it, which yeah. I think is fine. But and yeah, I'm it's not definitely defending, an editorial piece. Yeah. I'm definitely not defending police. No, sir. Right. <laughs> like, especially for something like this. But I wonder if the issue is because he was 
charging for something and maybe like misleading people for something that they could just Google and find for free. Like, because I read, I'm reading the law right now. Mm -hmm. And in the, in like the second main paragraph there, it says that, you know, he was arrested for maybe violating the unfair competition prevention law. Yeah. And when you click on that and read through it a little bit, Number one is causing confusion with a party's widely known indication of goods or business. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> so, like, I could see how that could maybe be construed as confusion, you know? Right. Um, misleading consumers as to the quality of goods. You know, they're like, oh, well, the game's not good enough. I don't know. I'm not defending something as frivolous as this. Yeah. But, like, I wonder if the issue is that he's charged for it, you know, and, like, it, and it very much could be. But even then, that's a now I'm not a lawyer and I certainly don't practice in Japan. Um, <laughs> that still feels like really shaky ground. Yeah. To make an arrest on. I mean, it's really hard for me to get my point across through all my boot licking over here. But <laughs> it's just, I don't even know why I'm on. The, but it's just like. You know, I'm just like, ah, man, guy, maybe you could have been a little bit more clandestine about it. I don't know. But uh, I guess he's on a, on some sort of third party auction site or something. I don't yeah. know. It, the, you're, the opinion at the bottom is one that I don't disagree with. You know, it's like eh, maybe they should be focusing on dangerous crimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. This this got Nintendo like death grip of their ip written all over it it, it really that this feels like nintendo gestapo right the, this this feels like the apple police this feels like uh which by the way apple has their own internal police uh that they they hire private investigators to go out and investigate and then they submit charges to the police departments and they go out and make arrests based right. on on leaks and everything else <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's an actual thing. Um, uh, in fact, uh, gosh, when, when was it? 2013 or something like that. San Francisco police raided the apartment of an individual who had leaked information about an iPhone. Uh, Uh, right. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, intellectual, like property crimes, like should probably never be enforced by police to begin with. Mm -hmm. Like that, leave that for the courts. It feels like a civil matter, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When the police get involved, it sort of like enforces this idea that the police are just like common soldiers for rich corporations to separate the poor from the rich. Um. Which opens up its own whole bag of words. So again, I don't know why I was defending. I, you know, I was just parsing through this. So I'm like, there's got to be more to it than just. Um, we do have a super chat that touches on it from Mike Farino. Could it be because of piracy? Did he potentially sell it to people who didn't actually own the game? And the article I find to be lacking in specific information, but it does it, sort of mention it, that it's just modified save files. Correct. And. Uh... And, and like I said, the, the one area where Nintendo might have a little bit of a standing in this, because again, I'm assuming it is Nintendo bringing charges on the individual under the pretense of this law, uh, is that by providing items in the game that a player otherwise hadn't or earned or obtained in the game yet, that they are infringing on... Uh, 
some intellectual property where like by giving they they say uh did they give the example of uh giving a player the master sword early uh when the player hadn't earned the 13 hearts to be able to pull the master sword out of the out of the shrine uh that somehow that's infringing on Nintendo's IP because the player would not have otherwise seen that action or yeah. you know like I, I said, I it's could, still shaky as all. I, I could sort of see it like kind of talking about that confusion thing I was talking about, because that's why you see like that. That's kind of why you see like why Elsa gate is such a big problem. Not because like people making stupid videos of like Spider-Man injecting web fluid into Elsa mm -hmm. is like somehow like morally or ethically I'm, I'm not wrong. aware of those videos. Uh, well, I've just did it. it <laughs> I think we've talked about it on the show we've before. I've done like the weird Wikipedia, like golf. Okay. Well, whatever. But I, I what I was saying is I haven't seen that particular one. Oh, so. I don't know. <laughs> God. Anyway, the whole point being is that like, I could see why a franchise who, uh, or, or rather like a corporation who specifies their audiences, like children would want that to go away. Cause it's like, it is confusing their brand to their audience in a way because like especially because those videos have a tendency of popping up on like the kid youtube algorithm right and it's like pretty weird and so anyway th that whole kind of like brand confusion aspect i can sort of see like like nintendo's like well that's not our, our game is about this and if you don't get that experience and you're confusing our brand with something that represents something lesser than what Nintendo offers. Yeah, but, so like, but why on the flip side has Game Shark been such a popular thing over over the decades for injecting essentially the same code, essentially yeah. just modifying the hex code of what your game interprets uh, to bend the game to your will? Yeah. I mean... Well, I think the Game Shark things too, I, like at least with like a Game Genie, I think it was they tapped into the developers tools like like aspects of code that the developers had left in in order to aid them in like qa no and... actually uh what what the game genies do is they modify hexadecimal values in in the game file and so uh basically they're looking at the live memory uh and game shark did the same thing cheat engine does the same thing and most game trainers for pc so trainers that you would download to get like infinite health and unlimited money kind of thing. Um, all those are doing is looking at the hexadecimal values in a certain location in memory and modifying those values. And so all of a sudden, instead of reading, you know, 20 health, you can read 100 health. And if you make sure that modifier never or that value never changes from 100 health, now you're invincible. Uh, or you can find the location where you have the uh, value assigned for, the, for money. And you can say, oh, I don't have 500 money. I have 50 million money. And, yeah. and how is modifying a save file any different from that yeah. aspect, which is open and readily, you know, accepted? That's a good, that's a good point. I think Kren has the most compelling um, idea here in the super chat. He says, or they say, could it have been they sold save files, which gave you access to DLC only features? I don't know if... Breath of the Wild has DLC. Uh, it uh, it does. There are a number of DLCs. Some of them are just cosmetic items. Some of them are are additional quests. Gotcha. Now it's it's pretty lame DLC if you ask me. It's yeah. it's <laughs> it, uh, Nintendo hasn't cracked the code yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's somewhere a half step above horse armor. Uh, <laughs> but um, 
But no, that is a great point that I don't know if uh, by using a modified save file, it would give you access to the DLC. I, I'm yeah. not familiar with that on Switch. Uh, Kotaku didn't mention that, but that certainly could be an aspect to this that we're yeah. not privy to. And it, and if that's the case, I think Nintendo does have a case. Yeah. I, I think my main criticisms here are not in defense of the Nintendo Gestapo or anything. I think it's more of this Kotaku piece, which is... <laughs> <laughs> feels like a poor piece of journalism that we're left with this much to debate afterwards. It definitely does. Uh, <laughs> it, it was written in, a, in an editorial style with what feels like a couple of details left out. Yeah, that's okay, though. I, honestly, I've I've written way worse, and I'm not, you know, <laughs> posting on Kotaku. So I, I'm not trying to knock the author too hard. It's just one of those yeah. things. That <laughs> I'm a published reviewer, so you know, <laughs> far be it from me to criticize someone else's work. <laughs> um, well, anyway... That was a fun conversation. Interesting to see how it evolves. And I hope that uh, Ichimin show uh, is exonerated of this garbage. So long as he is actually innocent of any crimes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's ex- here I am. Look, I yep. could work for Kotaku. You could. You could. <laughs> Uh, by the way, again, thank you, Mike and uh, Kren, for, for the super chats. They are very much appreciated. Okay. What else do we have tonight? Blasting through this beer. Yeah. Uh, by the way, how's yours? It's good. It's, you know, it's Deschutes. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is like Oregon domestic here, you know? Yeah. It's the same every time you open it, and that's like sort of the beauty. Yes. Um, but yeah, I and just, it's I love percent. The... It's an easy drinker. It's 6.5%. I saw 6.5? Rev say that. Yeah. But it says here on the yeah, Rev, Rev put on there. Yeah. I thought yeah. fresh squeeze was a little higher. Okay. Yeah. I just assumed maybe he like saw the four on the IBU and was like trying to be all slick and <laughs> I wasn't going to correct him. It felt like the moment had passed. So, and I didn't want to be that guy. That's like, Hey Rev, are we going to six, five? Okay, can you go ahead and change that? This isn't a Rainier night. That's for later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one, uh, now I am become death, uh, or now I am death, destroyer of worlds. I, yeah, I, become death is the true is the true yeah. quote. Yeah, now I am become death, destroyer of worlds. I keep wanting to say that because that's what the quote is. Yeah. Um, very pineapple. Very very pineapple. Uh, and. I really like pineapples, so that's this is right up my alley. Yeah, you you like you even like it on pizza, don't you? I do. Oh, I love pineapple on pizza. Good for you. Uh, we had we had pizza last night. Uh, we got Papa Murphy's. I got a five meat stuffed crust or five meat Chicago style. Uh, they don't call it Chicago style anymore. They just call it stuffed because I guess Chicago got pissed off. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, we got a five meat stuffed and uh, I always add pineapple to it. And that's the way to eat that pizza. Good for you. That sounds like the way to eat it. I applaud you. On the uh, on the topic of a war against those who don't like pineapple on their pizza, um, we welcome you to our ranks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we welcome you. It, uh, I'm sure those same people don't like IPAs either. So it's, <laughs> you know. Well, hey. <laughs> I 
I mean, I guess I'm drinking an IPA right now. So, <laughs> you know what? I bet Andy from Etechnics doesn't like pineapple on his pizza or or IPAs. That's probably we, a good point. We we went on a pretty long tangent on that on Twitter today about different people <laughs> well, chiming that's, in. That's what I thought you were going for because <laughs> I I had chimed in and been like, bro, it's okay if you don't like IPAs. Like, we're we're still hot on the heels of the era of IPA where they were like, how bitter can we make this, and how many how hoppy can we make this? Yeah, and there how, was how no, high like, can we crank that IBU? Yeah, there was yeah. like no nuance to it. And like ten years ago, that's what IPAs were. It was like yeah. the better the IPA, the hoppier. Mm-hmm. And now you actually have a lot of like nuance to the to the IPAs and there are so many styles that are rounding out so nicely. Yeah. Uh and uh if, if you go back just a couple of years when when hazy started becoming, you know, the huge craze, uh right about the start of my channel is when hazy's like like, "Oh, have you tried our new hazy?" Yeah. Um cuz we right. go down to John's all the time and oh, well you should try this hazy, you know. Yeah. Hazy. What's a hazy? It, you know? it was the thing. Yeah. Uh that that you know, it was the new upcoming craze, and uh, hazies have had their their growing pains. I mean, uh, it, for a while, it was how how acidic and lactose filled can we possibly make this yeah. beer and still call it a beer? And so that's why I've coined the term: if you tried one hazy, you've tried all hazies, because after four ounces, they're all identical, regardless of hop bill, regardless of grain bill, regardless of yeast, regardless of process, or if they added lactose or not, or it's a hazy. It's it, I've I've tried one hazy. I've tried every hazy. Now we're starting to get some stuff like this one, where it's still hazy. It's it's still that very acidic burn flavor, but they've dialed it way back. And now we're starting to get some hazies that actually start exploring the 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 tropical flavors yeah. that are inside of that. Yeah. Uh, and so all of a sudden we went from you know the let's make every single IPA 180 IBUs and add yeah. 17 different hops. That's kind of what hazies were just on the, how acidic can we possibly make this? Like yeah, some early hazies you can strip paint with. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and now we're starting to get into some more refined styles where, like I said, this is a delicious tropical pineapple margarita yeah. kind of style drink. Um, I'm really digging it. What's fun about IPAs is they've really, they've pumped the brakes on hoppiness. And again, it's like, you've got hazies, but you also have even like Imperial IPAs and stuff like that that are mm-hmm. coming down and they're exploring other directions. So I'm, I'm all on board on, on IPAs, but I don't, I don't knock on anybody that, uh, that isn't there yet because we are still, I feel like coming down from this, this period of, well, you know, we put a hops in them because we're going to India and that's a long ways. What if we had to go even further, you know? Uh, anyway. Yep. Uh, we do have a super chat from Alan, uh, five Canadian bucks, which I think is at least two American dollars. (laughs) Technically correct, sir. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Uh, opinion on the new, uh, windows 365 cloud-based windows OS. Uh, that was just announced today. I haven't had a chance to dig too deep into it. Um, I, I certainly have some opinions on it. Uh, my opinions are that virtualization in the cloud can definitely be a good thing. Uh, but remember anything as a service is provided as a service, uh, good and bad. So software as a service, uh, banking as a service, like your online banking that you do, that's banking as a service. Uh, if the bank site goes down, you can't bank. 
So, yeah. Uh, Windows as a service, I think, could definitely work for some aspects. They're also talking about different ways to do GPU acceleration uh, in the workload and then deliver latency-free or as minimal latency as possible uh, to end clients. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, that's kind of the pipe dream for what I've been shooting for with the cloud gaming server is have access to a very powerful computer from thin clients that cost you maybe a hundred bucks. Uh, like I said, one of the best use cases I have is uh, gosh, this was three years ago now. Uh, my daughter built herself her first computer and uh, she loves the thing. She still plays on it. We've done a couple of little tweaks here and there to it, but it's still the same base computer that she built all the way back then. Um, well, now thanks to Parsec, she can have her gaming computer and then she will take her school Chromebook over to her cousin's house and she can play Minecraft as if she's sitting in front of her desktop computer and have access to her account and, and all of her skins and, and join the same servers and everything else and play as if she's sitting in front of a much more powerful not Chromebook. Uh, and that's the pipe dream. Uh, that's what I'm trying to host myself. That's what I'm trying to gear some of my server stuff to is, is that pipe dream. Some people don't want to host a server in their house. So, hey, maybe a, yeah. a, a system in the cloud is, is for you. When it opens up a whole new, um, see, that's what I love because, you know, I have a Chromebook and uh, I love using it. Um, well, especially because like my whole life is tied up in Google Drive, but um, yep. But to be able to add functionality to it and to continue to um, um, be able to use it in ways that like maybe it wasn't initially designed to be used for, like, man, what a great idea because I, I already love it. So take me there. Give me more options. <clears throat> I'll just respond on air since you uh, finished talking. Uh, Alan says, do you remember back in the 80s and 90s when schools and businesses had mainframes and machines were OS2 warp-based clients? Um, yes. Yes, in fact, I do. Uh, in fact, most public libraries, uh, the clients that you would access to access card catalog systems and, and everything else, they were thin client terminal based. Uh, and so you would log into like a Windows NT4 uh, based system, uh, which was just a dumb thin client that cost maybe 150 or 200 bucks. And you would get a full desktop instance via, via you know, host client access. Uh, I spent a good couple of years in my early IT career disassembling some of those systems. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, uh, all right. Uh, we do have a sponsor in today's episode. Hopefully I will hit the right button. Today's video is brought to you by... Are you there? Is it going to play? I'm Maybe. here. Maybe you're here. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Hold on. Hold on. Computer, play ad roll. It doesn't want to. Where's insufficient memory? Dang it. It's there. I can see it. Why isn't it? There it goes. <laughs> see the wonders of, uh, of hosting your own server? Maybe you should host one in the cloud. And today's episode is brought to you by Linode. 
If you've ever wanted to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business, but don't have the resources or time to invest in hardware, power, cooling, or even space, or the frustration of, like, local files not loading, why not have Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software from many of the tutorials you find on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. Linode makes it simple to deploy and manage your own cloud services, with solutions ranging from a single shared CPU to massive multi-core virtual machines. They even offer dedicated RTX 6000 GPUs for graphic rendering or machine learning. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing, and thanks again to Linode for the perfect segue and for sponsoring today's video. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> uh, it's almost like a, a, a quality service that one can get behind, you know? The, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad the video ended up working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's who's pinging me? Or was that pinging you? Me? I've got no pings. Okay. I've got... Oh, there's a ping. I see it. I see it. Ah, they're just chatting. Okay. Thanks, Linode, for sponsoring my beer break mm. in the middle of this show. That's right. They're always looking out. By the way, the proceeds of the sponsorships do go to buy them beer. So, <laughs> why do you think I buy the best? That's right. Nothing but See, shoots, baby. The other, the other guys are wasting theirs on these high quality craft brews. Okay, but me, when I'm not drinking the shoots, baby, I got cases, racks of Rainier in the fridge, just ready to go. Uh, today's episode is not brought to you by Rainier, although if they called us, I'm sure we could work something out. Yeah, I'd be down. You know what? I'm going to fire off some emails after this. <laughs> Get my business services manager on that. We drink the most Rainier of any tech YouTube show out there. Hands down. You're not wrong. Collectively, we have drank the most Rainier of any tech show out here. <laughs> You're not, you are not incorrect. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. Yep. That's, that's what you can expect from your number one, baby. <laughs> number one and two. And two. That's right. Number one and two records and highest overall. I don't even know how, you know? I know. It's weird. Or this highest just, average, I guess. John's well, highest overall, but he cheats by being on twice as many. Well, yeah. And it's close, though. Even yeah. then, it's like, I feel like it was pretty it's closer close. closer than though. it should be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's keep this ball rolling. Uh, yeah. Just a quick little note that uh, Intel, or Intel, Nintendo may have introduced the, uh, the Switch OLED model, which is the least creative name they could possibly have come up with. Uh, they may have announced the new Switch OLED model, which doesn't release until October, uh, and they seem to be dodging every question as to whether or not they have fixed the Joy-Con issues. Uh, for those not familiar with the Switch and the Joy-Con issues, otherwise known as Joy-Con Drift, uh, 
you know your old Nintendo 64 controller that after you've beaten the living crap out of it, playing Mario Party for six years, you know, doing this kind of stuff, uh, all of a sudden in its neutral position, it will start to like veer one way or the other. Uh, well, the Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons pretty much do the same thing, but at a much faster rate of deterioration. Uh, it is a well-documented and much-complained-about issue, and Nintendo has barely even addressed that it exists, uh, let alone done anything to fix it. Uh, so, don't hold out any hope that Nintendo will be addressing that in an update for hardware anytime soon. It's fine. Hasn't happened to me yet, so... Mine are still rocking solid. Uh, yeah, what is I've, that? I feel like yeah. we've, like, yeah, you know, yeah, dodged I, a bullet. Yeah, I, I, I've I, had my Switch for three and a half years. Like, I was pretty early into the buying yeah. of one, and mine still works fine. Yeah, I've had mine about maybe two, two and a half years, and I play some aggressive games on there. Mm -hmm. Um. Like, I've been playing some Hades, so you know I'm mashing the buttons. Um, <laughs> not been easy on them. Still hanging in there, though. Yep. Uh, until I got my GPD Win 3, that was my mobile Rocket League machine. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of uh, button mashing and, you know, flipping directions on the controllers. and Yeah. Hanging in there. Moving on to some security news. Uh, this one is definitely not the announcement that Ryan Reynolds probably wanted to make. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is a fairly large owner of Mint Mobile. Uh, but Mint Mobile has been hit by a fairly significant data breach in which uh, malicious third-party actors got access likely to internal tools, ported numbers from subscribers over to other carriers, and stole data from them. Like that's a that's a whole nother level of of access than you could possibly fathom. Uh, also, in terrible news, uh, the information that was accessed. Uh, so they ported the number. Mint Mobile also disclosed that an unauthorized person also potentially had access to subscribers' personal information, including call history, names, addresses, emails, and passwords which means the passwords were likely not salted or hashed. Um, so, if you are a Mint Mobile subscriber, please change your passwords. And Mint, for God's sakes, please encrypt your passwords from now on. No more plain text Excel files. Like, there is no reason this. in the world. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I hate to say this because saving money on your phone bill is a thing that comes up a lot over on my podcasts discord server mm -hmm. there's a lot of mint people over there and i feel for you all but i've been saying it for years you get what you pay for <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i mean this is just it's unfortunate but if there's not even the barest you know steps taken <laughs> <laughs> to secure that type of information yeah. Th this one this one hurts from from an it security infosec kind of perspective uh this is not the news that anyone ever wants to read or let alone have to divulge to customers uh that sorry your email address uh home address physical numbers uh 
what plan you subscribe to, who you call, duration of calls, text messages, etc. Those are all out there now. So change your password, maybe? Yeah. 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 That That's a tough one. Sorry, Mint. And Mint users, you deserve better. I, I feel like I should like pour out a half ounce of uh, some aviation gin here. <laughs> Whoa, wouldn't go I'm not, that far. I'm not going to do it. I mean, if I pour <laughs> it, it's going to go on a glass. but Because it is some delicious gin. Hashtag True. not sponsored. But Ryan Reynolds, we're, we're open to collaborating. All right. One of these days. One of these days. I'm sure he's watching, actually. I'm sure he is. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had quite a few distinguished viewers on this show. So I, I'm sure, you know, the latest in beer and tech news really gets gets him jazzed. Maybe. I mean, he's a part owner of Mint and a part owner of Aviation. Yeah, Aviation, Oregon Company. See? Yeah. I know he he's comes diversifying. to Portland occasionally. So, yeah. You never know when that Deadpool money is going to stop rolling in and mm -hmm. you ought to diversify. So. At least it's not like Hugh Jackman and bought like a coffee field or something. Yeah. What a fool. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> but see, when the Wolverine money stops rolling in, Hugh Jackman at least can fall back on like, you know, musical theater, Broadway, maybe. Yeah. Man's got talent. Les yes. Mis, anybody? Le yeah, Les Mis. Jean Valjean. It's pretty mm -hmm. good. Good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> Before we get into the next episode, I do have my next can to open. So beer number two is Max's addic Addiction. I keep wanting to say addition for some reason. Max's Addiction uh, from Insertion Brewing, Omaha, Nebraska. Toffee Bar Milk Stout. Sounds delish. Oh, love that coloring. Yeah. Love that consistency. Love that glass. Where'd you get that? Ikea, actually. Oh, the Swedes got everything. I know. I've got a cool beer glass. Yeah, I bought this because uh, I I didn't have any cool 12-ounce glasses. Um, all of my, my fancy ones were, were pints. So I figured I needed to diversify, diversify my glass collection a little bit. Just like Ryan Reynolds. That's right. Okay, uh, let's get into what hopefully shouldn't be a political topic, but I'm sure will be. Uh, I'm sure there's nothing political here for any of our listeners. There shouldn't so. be anything political about this. Uh, so this article comes from Bloomberg, and it is titled, Americans Must Reclaim Their Right to Repair. And if you have not read this article, I strongly suggest going and reading this article. Uh whether you're in favor of right to repair or not, uh, which survey says the majority of people are in favor of right to repair, so long as they actually know what right to repair is and don't listen to the, well, your data could be exposed and hackers are working at every single corner shop at mom and pop repair store if you listen to Apple, Amazon, or Google. Uh, so we are a nation of tinkerers. Uh my audience is an audience of tinkerers. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people build home labs? Why do you think a lot of my audience owns 3D printers? Why do you think why do you think I'm employed? <laughs> uh, it's because my audience 
works on their own stuff. I work on my own stuff. So long as Apple allows me. Uh, uh, so this this article is obviously come out because uh, President Biden signed a a uh, an executive order uh, encouraging the FTC to strongly look at the right to repair. It is not a, an executive order saying every manufacturer has to comply from this day forth. Uh, that's not what this order was. This was an executive order saying to the FTC, you need to act on this. Um, so nothing has changed other than manufacturers better start thinking about how they're going to implement this because changes are coming. Uh, the article starts out with the Apple II, uh, Apple's first big product. Uh, and remember, the Apple computer was built by a couple of tinkerers in their garage in, in Silicon Valley and sold out of their garage via catalogs uh, and eventually became the largest planet or largest company on the planet. Uh, so they went out, built components, engineered their own stuff, put it into a computer and sold it. Part of that is when you bought an Apple II, you got a circuit board diagram and full access to everything inside of it. You could modify to your heart's content. You could tinker, you could upgrade, you could tweak it however you wanted to. The hardware was yours. Contrast that to the Apple of today, which is more akin to hardware as a service, where I'm going to pay you $1,000 for a phone or $1,000 for a computer or more, $6,000 for a base model Mac Pro, which is a laughable spec sheet at this point. Uh, I'm going to pay you X amount of money for this hardware. However, I can only install Apple certified OEM direct parts that I can only, I can't access myself. I have to take it to an Apple authorized service center to install those parts for me. Uh, gluing screens together with, with touch, uh, interfaces, uh, integrating encryption chips that uh, in the guise of security and fingerprint access means that if your fingerprint sensor ever dies, you can't replace the fingerprint sensor because the handshake between that and the T2 encryption chip will change and, and your fingerprint sensor will be disabled. Uh, make no mistake, there's good kinds of security and there's bad kinds of encryption under the guise of, of safety that simply make it more difficult for you to keep your old device. Uh, Apple pretty much thrives in the latter. And not to single Apple out because this uh, executive order certainly didn't single Apple out either. Uh, this executive order is pushing the FTC to end anti-competitive repair monopolies. Uh, Apple, the makers of uh, other technology products, uh, or Apples and the maker of other technological products from farm tractors to 35 millimeter cameras argue that repair monopolies are good for consumers. Yeah. According to the article. Yeah. Hey, Rhett, uh, where's the nearest uh, Samsung store? No idea. Where's the nearest Apple store? And I mean Apple store. Portland. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's a good hour and 10 minute drive from my house at least. 
uh, if I ain't you, going up there for no repairs, that's for sure. Right, <laughs> right. Um, where's the nearest John Deere tractor supplier? Don't know. I do. Uh, there's one in Aurora, Oregon. Uh, it is oh, okay. just off just off the Donald exit, two seventy seven, or two seventy four. Good spots up there. There's some know? good spots up there. It's it's nice land, but that is the you go ahead and hit the colony in, get right. lunch while you're up there. You know, yeah, it's gorgeous, good place. Uh, <laughs> but that's the nearest John Deere uh, service center. It is Aurora, Oregon. Uh, like yeah. I said, exit two seventy four <clears throat> off I five. I know exactly where it's at. I would say kind of the middle of nowhere, but it is on the freeway. So. It's, it's it's two miles off the freeway. Yeah. Uh, but let's say you own farmland out towards, oh, I don't know, Turner or Jefferson yeah. or East Albany or Springfield or like, let's go down the list of. Are there no John Deere's in Eugene? I'm sure there's one down there and I'm sure there's the one here and I'm sure there's nothing in between. <laughs> let's let's say you live in Corvallis on the outskirts of Corvallis and you Well, I'm sure they strategically put it there because it's centrally located and that would sort of cut the cut right. the difference between Portland and you know, halfway to Eugene at least. Right. But you know how our cars all have standardized diagnostic ports in the OBD2 port? Where mm -hmm. and it's in the same location in every single car on the right side of the driver's compartment, uh, where you can plug in a standardized reader and read trouble codes. You can buy a reader off Amazon for as little as ten dollars to sync with your phone and read and reset trouble codes. Yeah. Now, also view live diagnostics of your car. Uh, that is mandated by the federal government as a requirement for all automakers to sell in the United States. Uh, Strangely enough, there's no same requirement for farm equipment. So John Deere Tractor has proprietary diagnostic ports, proprietary information. Uh, and the only way to find out what's wrong with your, your combine, your tractor, your harvester, your whatever you happen to have, is by calling out a John Deere authorized service technician, having them plug in their laptop and telling you what's wrong. Yeah. Uh, you ever had a piece of farm equipment go bad in the middle of harvest season when like two hours would cost you $30,000? Yeah. Well, I haven't, but I have friends who have. Oh, we live in the area where it's common. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't dealing with it yourself, like you knew somebody who was. Um, yeah. I know, I know hop harvests that have gone bad. I mean, this I'm is... like, I've been personally impacted by this. Yeah. <laughs> My IPAs were only half as bitter that year. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they turned them into hazies. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. You know, and this is kind of where I roll. I roll my eyes a little bit when Microsoft 365 comes up because we're talking about all of this, you know, selling products as services type mm -hmm. things. And John Deere capitalized this, capitalized on this, where you buy a John Deere product and you're not just buying the product, you're buying the service. You have a subscription. Um, and for God knows, like farmers, uh, 
it works me up a little bit because yeah you know when you were talking and you were reading the article and, and you're talking about the apple II at the beginning you know it's like remember growing up and everybody would talk about like well there's jimmy jimmy loves taking things apart and putting them back together like why don't you hear about that anymore i i was jimmy well sure yeah i think that there was a bunch of jimmies in the audience for sure and and uh you know i'm not that much younger than you just a little bit but it's like i kind of came up where i heard that a lot but it like wasn't a thing that my friends were doing that often and it's because like by time we were of an age to start taking things apart it was kind of like man why would you take it apart you know like i remember going from like one side of my family was just like you fixed everything you had until it was broken and then the other Mm -hmm. side was like oh well if the one button on the remote for the TV doesn't work. It's time to throw it out. Right. And this is like the product of a lot of freaking corporate propaganda and brainwashing. And this idea that, that none of us know, you know, what do they, what do they lose if we open up their product? You know, the level of triumph I felt the first time that I opened up a flat screen TV, you know, my, my brother's flat screen TV went bad. And he said, you know, I researched the problem and I think it's like literally just a bad, capacitor somewhere on the power board it's usually what it is mother's day is coming up if you want to look at it like you fix it and you and i can sign it over to mom for mother's day mm-hmm. okay great well i open it up wow it was very easy to tell which capacitor was bad did i know anything about this at the time no took it off took it to the electronic supply store which was booming at the time and which is now sadly a husk of its former self um and they got what I needed. They told me how to solder it in. And I was on my way. Brand new TV, basically. Yeah. You know? And and what was this, like five years ago? Something like that? What yeah, would I, that TV have cost you to go out and buy? Right. It would have been and, I, I it would have been a couple hundred bucks. I would say like maybe two hundred bucks for that TV at the okay. time. Okay. Like it was it was not like a bottom level but TV, but sixty cent component. Right. Oh god, yeah. The right. guy was like, can I sell you a couple more? Like, you're buying on a debit card. I'm going to have to charge you, like, an extra dollar for the right. Like, I was like, like no. <laughs> I guess I'll buy one more just in case I screw it up or something. Right. But. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing is is I've done a lot of component-level repair for things. I've recapped motherboards. I've recapped. I can't count how many G5 iMacs uh, I've, I've done. Yeah. Uh, uh, battery repairs for... For older Macs, you know, G3s and 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 whatnot, uh, I can't count the number of board level, component level repairs that I've done, and they're not expensive parts. No. And if you think about even even inside of cell phones, a camera module inside of a cell phone is like somewhere between fifteen and thirty bucks, uh, and that's buying it from from a repair facility uh batteries are fifteen dollars worth of lithium i mean the things that we need that are failing consumable or repairable are things that we should be able to fix ourselves are things that we should be able to buy replacement parts for and that's what this gets to the crux of is apple should not be allowed to glue a phone shut. Uh, Tesla should not be allowed to, there There was a great uh, comparison. I don't remember where I saw it at, but I, when I was researching this for this week, um, 
there was a guy who ran over a rock in a Tesla. Uh, the uh, undercarriage uh, shielding uh, didn't quite deflect the rock enough, and it pierced the coolant system for his battery. Uh, it pierced one of the the hoses in the radiator for the, or not even the hoses, but the the metal piece of the radiator. Um, now, battery radiators on a Tesla are not like engine radiators. Uh, radiators. They're not having to displace thousands upon thousands of watts of of power. Uh, they're simply just trying to keep lithium batteries cold uh, or cooler. They're not displacing 450 Celsius worth of heat. Batteries don't get that hot. They're just trying to keep them from melting plastic. Uh, well, that, so, they're more efficient when they're cooler, right? So. They're more efficient when they're cooler. Or, or when they're within a temperature range. If you get too cold, right. then they'd lose capacity, but yeah. Right. Um, anyway, uh, so the story goes, this guy took it into Tesla, and they said $16,000 for this repair. Yeah. For literally a cracked radiator. And the guy couldn't believe it. And nor could I. Now, this was a brand new Model Y. This was $38,000 car. $16,000 to replace the cooling system for my, like, not even a motor. Not even a battery, the radiator, uh, sixteen thousand dollars. My car isn't even worth. I, I bought my car brand new for less than sixteen thousand dollars. Right, uh, like it's not a Tesla, but <laughs> so the issue is that Tesla doesn't do component level repair. They repair the entire assembly of what that component is part of, and so to replace, to to fix his issue, they would have to number one train their staff how to fix the issue which who knows how long that would take and how much money and, and resources we'd have to put into that. Uh, but number two, they'd have to keep parts on hand. And God, we don't have the capacity for that. And number three, they wouldn't make a profit off the reinstall. This is the biggest problem because the companies that are most responsible for this are like some of the most profitable in the entire world. And uh... Oh, and by the way, they would then probably then fix the 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 radiator that they pulled the entire cooling system and then sell it as a used part for like 12,000. Uh do you know what it costs to fix that that uh part going to a uh, another independent repair shop? I mean, I'm sure you could slap some freaking flex seal on it and call it a day. It was $700. It was $700 and that's even kind of egregious for what the repair was. Basically the guy cut the copper hose Put a flange, put a put a joint and a flange on it, uh, and then soldered that soldered in like another one foot of copper and hooked that up to the cooling system and went. You're good to go. Seven hundred yeah. bucks versus sixteen thousand dollars. <laughs> but who knows? They might yeah, have sure. stolen all of that guy's personal data, and it's now on the black market. So could be. Could be. And now watch now Tesla's going after him for like, you know, intellectual mm. property crimes. This is why oh, Tesla hates rich rebuilds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> naturally, they hate electrified garage. <laughs> like, let me... This is this is the problem. I mean, you should be able to do whatever you want with the product that you own. It's not mm -hmm. the companies anymore. Um, mm. There's a lot to be said about this. And it's all garbage. And uh, 
even if you want to view it from the standard of like an ecological thing, like this is it's also good for the environment in a way because already planned obsolescence is mm -hmm. like at its worst than it's ever been. The last like 10 years, we've produced more plastic than we have like in the last hundred. Yeah. Um, and it's all because we're not fixing things. We're throwing them away and we're mm -hmm. buying new. And uh, yeah. Anyway, the point being is... Um, support this uh support this eo and don't support billionaires because uh once they get to a certain point well not i mean all billionaires but once these corporations get to a certain point it's like all they're worried about is their bottom line and they got to answer to shareholders and they got to answer to people that do not care about anything other than their quarterly reports mm -hmm. um and whatever they got to do to make sure their quarterly reports are looking fine and right now the people that are buying teslas Obviously, there are more and more and more that are like us watching this show, tuning in. But before it was kind of like the first the first generation adopters that could afford kind of a luxury product. That right. Could before it was eighty thousand dollars for a, for a Model S, you know. Right. Uh, now you can get a Model Y for like thirty two. Yeah, they're coming down. Or, or a Model Three, excuse me. Um, yeah. So. The market is dropping, and as the market drops, there's people who can't afford $16,000 to replace a cracked radiator. No. And, you know, I will say, you know, every, I, I'm guilty of having stand Elon Musk, but it's like, dude, you know, like the fish rots from the head down. And, um, like, he's just as responsible for that 16K replacement as, like, any any shareholder or any any accountant or decision maker in that company so you have a right to fix your stuff yeah i don't care who you are you got a right to fix your stuff yep i mean watch just wait until the gap starts like you can't sew your clothes from the gap because and unfortunately that's the way it's all going to go at a certain point i mean luckily gap is cheap enough you just throw it away like everything else right yeah. but uh at least that's not biodegradable right <laughs> yeah you know Anyway, good Lord. I'm getting worked up over it. Yep. There's nothing else to say. Yeah. So. This is good. This is good legislation. It could have went harder. It could have went harder. Could have went harder. It's not even legislation. It's yeah. executive order. But at, 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 at the minute, it's up to the FTC to enact on this. Uh, yeah. So, and if they we'll don't, see. I guarantee another one will be coming. Yeah. And hopefully. that executive order might have teeth. So. Hopefully. Okay. Ideally, if it passes through through voting through Congress, it'll be much harder to overturn than an executive order. And so that's why it's going this route instead of just saying executive order to overturn blah, 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 or enact this because what's stopping the next president from simply overturning that executive order? That's the power of an executive order. But yeah. if you go through the voting process and, and the rigor of, of Congress and it's signed into law, that's a little tougher to do. So. Well, remember when we had presidents that just like busted giant companies up into small pieces? And I do. <laughs> it's like, it's like, come on, let let's go back in time and start busting up some of these big companies. Uh, you know, Apple doesn't need to have the death grip on uh, the industry that they have, and you know, there's something to be said about what they're producing, but they're just as guilty as perpetuating anti-right to repair mindset propaganda. apple is one of the the main uh yeah, exactly naysayers of right remember when you could like drop your cell phone and like the battery would accidentally pop out mm -hmm. like 
Now my cell phone doesn't have any. What an inconvenience that was. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I take it back in a heartbeat. But it's like now, like my cell phone doesn't even have any like visible, like, you know, mm-hmm. screws or anything. It's like you want to take it apart. You got to have a heat gun and a freaking scalpel, yeah. basically. Which, do you know the reason that we have waterproof or water resistant phones is an excuse so they can glue them together? I it mean, wasn't consumer focused. It was it was profit yeah. share focused. Yeah. Oh, but look, now you have a waterproof thing. It's like, right. It wasn't really a big deal for me before, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> I wasn't constantly dropping my phone in the toilet. No. I mean, it happens to everybody once and then never again, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yep. All right. Oh, uh, in another executive order, uh, uh, Biden signs executive order calling for restoration of net neutrality. Now, this is not, again, this is an urging to the FCC to reenact net neutrality. Uh, not a uh, instant order that that restores net neutrality. Uh, if you remember, uh, in, gosh, what was that? Uh, it was a few years ago. Like yeah, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, we've also talked about the fraud in in the comment system. We've talked about Pretty much everything behind the scenes I think that we could talk about with Ajit Pai and, and the comment system in there. Uh, but uh, basically, this is an executive order. Uh, the president is encouraging the FCC to restore net neutrality rules undone by the prior administration. Uh, and again, I've talked about the survey. I've, I've talked about uh, that 88% of Americans who understood what net neutrality was were in favor of net neutrality, just like 88% of Americans are probably in favor of right to repair if they understand what right to repair actually means. Uh, I mean, back to the Apple right to repair, Apple saying people are stealing your data. Well, go back to episode 187 of Talking Heads, where Apple stole a customer's nude photos and posted them to Facebook. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't remember a private shop doing that on my watch. Uh, but yeah. Cause uh, they would go out of business. You know what I mean? But right. like Apple can just like weather the blow. Right. Yeah. They, they can pay a little, they can pay a little hush money in an NDA and off they go in their multi-trillion dollar business. Meanwhile, you know, Joe blows repair shop. He's got to keep the doors open, which means not posting people's nude photos. Oh, yeah. And his worker that posts nude photos is like basically going to get flogged, you know, mm-hmm. not saying that that's a good thing, but like that's the level oh, of like I'm down for the occasional public flogging <laughs> for sure. But that's like that's how you bring maintain... back the stocks, I say. <laughs> yeah, People get out of line way less. <laughs> Yeah, but that that's what you do when you're maintaining your reputation, you know? Like mm-hmm. when your entire industry or your livelihood is is made or broken on the back of your reputation, like somebody one of your workers does that, like you're going to do what you can to rectify that wrong. Yeah. Apple doesn't care. It's going to that's this is the first time it happened publicly. Not the first time it's ever happened. And it's not going to be the last time that it happens, right. let alone the last time it happens publicly again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, anyway. 
Uh, do have a yeah? Do have super a couple chat. super chats that uh, that I missed. First from American Cosworth. Thank you so much, sir. Five dollars. Uh, we are a nation of tinkerers. I resemble that statement. Most of my viewers do. Also, Kevin says hi. Hi, Kevin. Uh, and then we've got one from Steven Anderson, $5. Thank you, Steven. Uh, I have an X570 motherboard and, an, and a 1600 AF. Will it be able to run Windows 11? Yes. Uh, I, my bet is that Microsoft will backtrack a bit on the TPM stance, on the, the trusted platform module uh, being a requirement. Uh, I think they are trying to get a uh, closer control over security for enterprise sake. They're trying to do a little bit tighter integration if you happen to have a TPM chip. But my guess is that for non-enterprise environments, they're going to loosen that standard. Uh, and honestly, it kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't think there's any reason that a good number of home PCs need to be TPM protected. Uh, because that's also not a silver bullet. It's just one of many things that can help protect a system. Uh, kind of like uh, Secure Boot. I don't think Secure Boot is a magic bullet. In fact, it's a hindrance when you want to install Linux. So, yeah. I I think you're going to be just fine. Uh, I've installed uh, Windows 11 on a couple PCs so far. No problem at all. Uh, I've ran it in virtual virtualized environments. I've ran it on physical hardware. Uh, I think you're going to be all right. All right. Oh, someone's asking about your guitar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got the actual Gibson. I got a knockoff, so. Oh, there's nothing wrong with a knockoff. It's all about how you play it. Mm -hmm. I can't play mine very well, so. <laughs> it looks nice in the background. Wine red, gold hardware. Yeah. Oh, super sexy. I am, I am not a lead guitar player. I am definitely a, a, a rhythm guitar player. I can do all right with rhythm guitar. Uh, but at my heart, I'm a bassist, so. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing I, I wrong know, with that. I know what I'm about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last bit of tech news. Netflix is going to try to build their own Google Stadia. We'll see how it does. Uh, yeah, Netflix uh, has said they plan to offer video games in a uh, as a video games as a streaming service uh, as they push beyond uh, films and TV shows. Uh, they've hired an executive from Facebook and EA uh, that is very familiar with the electronic uh, gaming industry and said uh, that as soon as uh, next year, they will have games available to stream. Uh, Gosh, given the dozens of previous attempts from various different companies with just as much money, if not more than Netflix, I wish them the best of luck. I do too. I got to say, like when you're thinking about streaming services, there isn't one that's in a better position to pull this off than Netflix, mm -hmm. given the right resources and like, management. Like we, we talk about... Uh, someone that could be a YouTube competitor. There are so few companies that have the infrastructure industry and know-how and position in the market 
to be able to come up with a YouTube competitor. Or, And pretty much that industry is Netflix and Pornhub. Yeah. They're the only two who could ever fathom coming out with something of, on that scale. Uh, and so until one of them decides to pull the trigger on it, we have YouTube. Uh, well, there's also Vimeo or Justin TV or Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Twitch don't have no three plus billion viewers. No. Um, right. Like None literally half the globe watches YouTube. That's yeah. the infrastructure that you need to have in place already. <laughs> There's other yeah. videos that half the globe watches as well, and they're Netflix and Pornhub. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like you said, I wish them the best. I think it's an interesting endeavor, and they're already on so many devices as it is. And um, and not only that, like if you if you just think about the ease of use and the um you know, the actual quality of service that you get from Netflix compared to like any other streaming service, they're the Kings still. And I, you know, their yeah. service has been sort of declining with the number of titles that they offer and things like that, but like their interface and their quality of service is still the best. It's better than HBO. It's better than yeah. Hulu. Um, yeah. And we've talked about, you know, the, the watering down of streaming services because everyone has to have their own streaming service now because why pay the middleman? And, uh, EA learning the hard way that it's not so easy to run a service as large as Steam. And all of a sudden, all EA games are back on Steam three years later. Good. You know, because no one bought Origin. I certainly stopped buying EA because I didn't want another games launcher on my PC. I've Same. never bought a Uplay title. I've never bought an Origin title. So just is what it is. I did get Origin on my PC once when I was trying to get Battlefield 2142 digitally because I had the CDs uh, and I wanted to play it and all the servers were basically dead and it was <laughs> the best Battlefield game ever. <coughs> and I stand behind that. Yep. Well, Battlefield Bad Cavity 2 is pretty good as well, but it's still played a lot. I just played it the other day. Holds up. Anyway, good luck uh, Netflix. Cheers. Yeah. Godspeed. All right. We do have some beer news in the pipeline tonight. Uh, starting with one that made me kind of... That kind of reaction. Uh, Coors Light has made a beer out of the actual ice from the Stanley Cup playoffs. So for those who don't know, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup last week. Uh, and while Tampa Bay was on the way to Montreal to face the Canadians in the Stanley Cup final... Uh, Coors Light was busy scraping the ice off the Tampa Bay's home ice uh, so they could transport it back to Boulder, Colorado, or Golden, Colorado, excuse me, and uh, brew, uh, what is it called? Uh, Champion Ice Limited Edition of Coors Light. So they do say they filtered the ice, which means they scraped the ice, they melted it, they ran it through a Brita filter, and then they put it into a beer. <laughs> no lightning. <laughs> Is the Stanley Cup made of ice? No. No, they, they scraped the ice off the rink. Oh. The ice they skated on. <laughs> That's horrible. It's got all this, like, sweat, probably some spit in it. They said they filtered it. Yeah. Would you drink it? 
not the beer. I mean, obviously you got to like boil it for beer and stuff, but like, yeah, I mean, it's they been, gave you, it's been sterilized. So I don't know, man. They say the life straw, you can like drink literal pee and get only water, but would you drink only pee with a life straw? Depends on what the situation was <laughs> and how many beers I had had to flesh it out before that. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. There's there's a particular ABV content that I might make the, the wrong decision there. But... <laughs> Naturally. Well, hey, while we got a, a lull here, I, I brought up my second drink and uh, I was going to open another beer. I had a Voodoo Ranger Hazy that I was going to open, but I also uh, let a glass of wine warm up and breathe here. So I've got an Old Vine Zinfandel, a uh, 2018 Old Vine Zinfandel from Windstorm Wines down in Lodi, California. So it's freaking delicious. It's really good. Uh, I think Cosworth was asking, when are we going to have a Wine Wednesday? Mm. And it's like, you know what? We need to do a Wine Wednesday one of these days. I'm here. I'm uh, here for it. Yeah, I, I said whenever I feel like drinking a whole bottle of wine in two days because, Ugh. yeah, my wine my wife is not that much of a wine drinker and like I have wine bottles I I have I have some wines but uh, I only open them when friends come over and well that hasn't happened in like two years. Well, maybe <laughs> so... it needs to be the next time you and I can get together for a live face to face show. We can I, share a bottle. I think so. I think we crack a bottle next time. It'll be Wine Wednesday. I could. I I was going to say that honestly, like maybe. I'm uh, maybe I'm uh, a bit of a dork when it comes to wines, but I don't care if it sits for a few more days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've had wine that's like pretty good even after like four or five days in the bottle. You just kind of recork it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And um, I I do have a uh, we have the the flavor or the sealer system. Gosh. The vacuum right, right, right. system. Yeah. Yeah. We have one of the vacuum systems and I, I have uh bottle corks for that. And so yeah. I can pump the air out. That's not a problem. You're all good. Well, even then yeah. I feel like sometimes there's some bottles you open up and you're like, eh. Some some of them you gotta let breathe anyway. And so. you let them breathe and you let them age for a day or two and they're actually like even better. It like yeah. smooths out like if they're too bold or maybe they're just like too I don't know, too too bitey with the alcohol. You let it you let it breathe for a day or two, and it's even better. Now, now, now people are are yelling at me for which bottle they want me to open. Because uh, remember, I have the the Klingon blood wine. Uh, I've got oh, uh, yeah. I've got the Picard Zinfandel. I've got two Special Reserve Federation bottles. Nice. Yeah, and I've and I've got some other stuff too. But yeah, those are like the collector's items that I have. So, well, that's pretty cool. Makes it hard to open if they're collector's items, Jeff. It does. It does. But why? I, I feel kind of the same way about wine and alcohol and things like that that I do about cars. There's no point in collecting cars if you're never going to put it on the road. Cars should be driven, oh, yeah. uh, which is why I love Jay Leno, because he actually goes out and he'll bomb the freeway in a car. That's and why you like watching comedians in cars getting coffee. That's right. That's exactly right. Is because they're actually driving the car. It's kind of fun, too, because like Jerry, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to like pair this car to the person that's coming to hang out with me. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of a fun little shtick, you know? Um, have you seen uh uh Tim Allen and Jay Leno 
in which Jay Leno puts Tim Allen into a car blindfolded and he has to guess the make, model, and year of a car based on sitting in the passenger seat. No. It's amazing. Is Tim Allen good at that? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tim he Allen's... He would be the type that guy yeah, that is. Yeah. You're questioning Detroit's native son and how good he is at recognizing cars. Uh, yeah, he he went three for three in the challenge, uh, wow. but uh, and and he had some obscure crap in there. Uh, Jay Leno sits sits him down, and then they get on the highway, and he goes, "Well, it sounds French." And he goes, "Well, why do you say that?" And he goes, "Well, you know, a, a GM V8 of this era, and 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 whatnot." Like that. This, this one sounds. I'm I'm gonna say Opal, and he goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. Oh, that's awesome. No, I, I would watch 100 episodes of that, uh, of just always, Tim Allen guessing cars. See, I just always kind of imagine that scene in Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. Uh-huh. He walks into his his old like mentor's workshop, and he's like, oh, that's a blah, 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 you know? And uh, I was like, oh, man, they're just like playing up this for Hollywood, you know? Yeah. But like apparently Tim Allen no, can do it. No, so. there's there's people out there who can do it. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I, I I'm a motorhead who's I've owned a lot of cars. I've not owned a lot of classic cars, uh, but I enjoy them. I very much enjoy them. I mean, you know, my first car is pretty close to being technically classified as a classic now you know my z car is three years away i can get historic plates on it (laughs) (laughs) how old does it have to be to be a classic? 20 years only 20 okay well shoot then my last the i just sold a class i sold two classics the other day (laughs) or not the other day over the last couple months my motorcycle though that's the oldest thing i have and it's 40 years old uh it's 41 years old this year wow yeah Still, still going strong. Yep. Good I got it. It's it's a Honda. It's a Honda Nighthawk. Oh yeah. CM four fifty. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna ask if you had, you had the four hundred and fifty or the seven hundred and fifty, but yeah. I I went with the four hundred and fifty. Well, and I was gonna say because I was scared of anything bigger, but the truth is, is that it's because I bought it for three hundred dollars. That's an awesome deal. On Craigslist, the poor old lady. She's like, it won't run, and my son won't come back and get it. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, just a bad battery. <laughs> good to go. That's a good deal. Yeah. Super <laughs> sick bike. I love finding those deals. Yeah. I felt bad because the lady was like, it won't start. And I just like rolled it down her driveway and dropped the clutch, started right up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> started right up, running strong. <laughs> just like, okay. Sorry. Oh, David, David Spade's beat up 87 Buick Grand National with Jay Leno. I've seen that one too. That's a good one. All right, we're opening our third brew and then we're going to get on with the rest of the news. So yeah, this we, is we uh, Indeed Brewing, The Queen. Uh, this is a whiskey barrel aged Imperial Stout at 10.5%. And holy crap, that's dark. Oh, that looks like motor oil. Yep. I love, I love it when they it. pour like this. I love it. And you're like, I should have changed the oil like two months ago. Novella what... Hub sent that? Uh, Novella Hub sent this one, yeah. What a boss. I know. What a boss. Like, dude. Dude. It's going to be a good one. Novella Hub gets uh, hashtag baller status. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. 
Some more beer news. Dogfish Head has released its first ice cream, and yes, it's alcoholic. Naturally. Yep. Uh, so, Hagendas has uh, has their line of booze infused ice cream, which I've actually never had. But uh, step over Hagendas, Dogfish Head is storming on uh, with their own brand of ice cream uh, called the Hazy O. Uh, speaking of hazies, speaking of hazies, <laughs> yeah, the hazy craze knows no bounds. Uh, just like the seven point one percent ABV brew, ABV brew. Uh, it's an ice cream made with oat milk, making it a dairy-free frozen treat. The ice cream clocks itself at around 5% ABV, which actually for an ice cream could be quite dangerous. I could see that being a problem. You know, have you ever just like made like a, a homemade like beer float? Yes. Like I'm talking like you take the lid off the cart and you like put some beer in there. Mm-hmm. You get going, put some more beer... Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? <laughs> yes. It's better than it has any right to be. First mm-hmm. place I ever had a beer float was Red Robin of all places. Ten years ago, probably. Uh, was that the, the Blue Moon beer float? Yeah. Uh, yeah. John and I did a Hops and Brews episode in which I recreated that recipe. Nice. I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, no, I, fa- I, I, I had... Uh, I had a beer float at Red Robin. It was the Blue Moon float. And I went, this is delicious. I need to figure out how to recreate this. And so I I found a couple like close recipes online and then kind of modified them together. And what I ended up with was dynamite. It was so good. Um, But a little splash of orange liqueur uh, and uh, a full scoop of vanilla ice cream and a Blue Moon and and a couple of like, oh, it was good. I dig it. Oh, yeah, I love it. And in fact, that's I. Oh, you get a good quality ice cream, and mm-hmm. you mix it with some Blue Moon. You're good mm-hmm. to go. Blue Moon is like an ice cream beer as it is, for God's sake. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> well, hey, uh, get it. Get yourself out there and get yourself some Dogfish Heads Hazy O beer. Hazy O. Hazy sounds, IPA in ice cream form. Sounds delish. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that snuck up out of nowhere, as most things tend to sneak up. All right. And I know people are playing the all right drinking game. So are they? Um, is that a thing? Uh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure some people have figured that. I, I don't know any transition words, so I just say all right. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> well, that was a brutal two minutes. Uh, let's jump into this one. Uh, as a Twitter post pointed out, there's, there's not much worse in the world than finding out your job is in jeopardy. How about finding out your job is in jeopardy and then having that live streamed, uh, to viewers and then having that live stream sponsored by Bud Light. So basically what happened is there is an esports team called counter logic uh called the counter logic gaming uh and they were founded in 2010 originally as you guessed it league of legends players uh anyway they they were recently purchased uh by msg sports which is a very large 
conglomerate for purchasing professional and semi-professional sports teams and they yeah. reached out and purchased them as an esports team um msg they've they, they've filled some of the teams i think for dota counter-strike yeah yeah msg is a pretty major player in in the esports game anymore yeah um but uh anyway so clg hit a couple of hard months and and took a couple of losses and whatnot and much like happens when you get to the professional sports realm so think of like your your basketball your football something like that if we don't start winning we're gonna have to make some changes to our lineup uh i don't know that you five will be starting together anymore so if that was a basketball team and these were professional athletes yeah that i mean that kind of makes sense but you have that conversation behind closed doors one of the things that you don't do as a coach or an organization or a general manager is come out to the media and go, yeah, I just don't know if, if uh, you know, Rajon Rondo can play with Chris Paul anymore. I mean, that's just not going to work. Uh, we, we've got to shuffle up the starting five and one of them's got to go. Like, that's not a conversation you have with the media, right? Um, even when there have been... <laughs> documentaries or reality tv around sports franchises they're not having those conversations in front of the reality tv it's oh so and so has been traded because we got offered this thing and we're all really heartbroken about it and we just it, i need a minute guys like that's the the trade on on you know friday night lights or uh gosh what's the one with the nfl i forget anyway uh no, what this was was a private meeting with ownership and the players. And they essentially said, this is the last time that you five will be playing together because you're not producing. Uh, and uh, so now, to be fair, these players are professional players. They'll be, they're being paid a salary to produce. Now, they're not being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce, but, you know... What? How much do you need when your job is to be good at esports? You know, I, I don't know. And most of the time, these big esports teams, your salary includes room and board. It includes food. It includes because your job is to live in a house with your five teammates and grind all day. Right. Like at least I don't know how it works necessarily with League of Legends or whatever these guys play, but that's how it works with Dota. And that's how it worked with Counter-Strike. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was an esports writer like seven years ago, uh, one of the teams that I uh, covered, they lived together. And uh, you get a cook that comes in. They cook for you. They do all this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you don't have to make much money, but right. like to dangle that in front of them for you know? for essentially what is reality tv is what they were trying to produce and not even good reality tv right uh so basically it was uh it was tweeted out uh where is the the original tweet uh trying to find the language that they used oh uh here it is the text of uh, the original tweet and the video which has now since been deleted uh, this might be the last time we have this roster of five playing. Uh, on the Bud Light, on the at Bud Light Gaming cooldown, we take you behind the scenes of a private team meeting. Hashtag LCS. Hashtag CLG fighting.
Yeah. So the video starts out with this kind of weird, moody music. And uh, it shows this private meeting. And then uh, brought to you by the crisp, cool taste of Bud Light. Ride the walrus. Red will get that reference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> will I, though? <laughs> Ride the walrus? Feels like an Ambien commercial. Mm-hmm. Am mm-hmm. I wrong? What's the walrus? Well, I said it on your podcast. So, Oh, great. I guess we all have to go back. Well, hey, guys, go to gamedevsquest.com. Slash episode seven. <laughs> no, it was like episode 21 or something. Okay, I posted okay. this before. Yeah. Anyway, look for the one with some guy named Jeff, because I wasn't even craft computing yet. No, not quite. Uh, I was in the startup process, but at the time I was just some some oh dude my. who likes VR. I, I said that it was going to be episode 20-something. It's actually episode 16 and 16.5. Oh, I'm closest without going over. That's pretty, yeah, fair enough. Dang. That's all right. You, I had, I talked so much, you cut it into two parts and said, you just need to like talk forever. Yeah, it was good. Why don't you just talk for a living? Episode two is one hour exactly. And episode Mm -hmm. one is one hour and 12 minutes. (laughs) Like I said. And Talking Heads was born. (laughs) I probably could have let you go longer, but that was like, one of the first times that I had brought Taylor, we had done it face to face because yeah, we had done, done remote. Show, right. And the whole point was about experiencing VR and things like this. And he had gone and ruined it by doing VR the day before or <laughs> earlier that morning or something. What a prick. Taylor, I, I shame on you. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, wait, that might not be it. But anyway, it's close. Anyway, it has to be. So doesn't matter. So yeah, uh, CLG has since apologized, saying that this morning we published a short post-game video giving a look behind the scenes at our current situation. Our goal was to share an authentic moment with our fans and be transparent as possible leading up to potential changes that may occur this week. We recognize the negative light that this brings <laughs> that it brings to our players, and for that we apologize and have taken down the video. Notice they didn't apologize for the conduct. They simply apologized for letting people see it. <laughs> oh, and having it hashtag sponsored. Yeah. So. Gosh. Silly. Silly publicity stunt. Yep. And last bit of news for the day is you've seen and played Super Mario Brothers 3 on multiple different platforms, all of them owned by Nintendo. I bet you've never seen Super Mario Brothers 3 with an id logo at the bottom. If you don't know that logo, that's the logo that became id software developers of Doom and later purchased Bethesda. And yeah. Went on. And, and went on to bigger and better things. Anyway, this is a demo from 1990 of id Software, which is Ideas from the Deep, uh, porting Super Mario Brothers 3 from the Nintendo to the PC. Amazing. Uh, and it's very recognizable 
but at the same time also very different uh yeah the the sprites they move in a different way the the physics are completely different the the motions and controls are are i guess different where um now to be clear this was not anywhere close to a final this was like a one week like pitch to nintendo here's what it could look like on the pc yeah it's like a prototype Um, right and so when you get the the raccoon leaf and turn into uh to to raccoon mario you can simply just fly there's no p speed or run to there's no run animation or speed there's there's walking and there's flying and there's no in between uh how it should have been nintendo (laughs) dropped the ball yeah uh so like i said very recognizable but at the same time oh so foreign in this bizarro land of what could have been uh anyway this demo was known to have existed and in fact john romero uh posted a video back in 2015 about the project and had a couple of of very very short pieces of gameplay from it so we knew this was in existence but the existence that we had at that time was a floppy disk that was handwritten apparently this floppy disk uh actually had like a printed label and logo on it so this might have been like a final build that they gave to nintendo uh so this build is now in the hands of a museum that is going to be physically and digitally archiving it uh for future generations game researchers to to be able to look at uh no word yet on if it'll hit something like archive.org or something like that but i i would say give it time uh and it probably will uh but uh the museum of play is the museum in question uh they say our preservation work focuses not only on research needs of today but how researchers decades from now some who may not even be born yet will access material uh and uh yeah they're going to be essentially curating it for right now and if you want to request access to this for research they will grant you access to this so kind of cool that is cool. Bit bit uh, of lost gaming history there of two very large companies in a what might have been fantasy. Dope. Cool. What an actually feel-good story for mm-hmm. once on mm-hmm. this show. Right? We're not just talking, you know, the fact that right to repair and net neutrality is being stomped on. We're, we're here to make you feel good, too. For sure. Uh, Novella Hub says, thanks for the choice of the Firestone Walker Old Manhattan Ale 2019 tonight. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, so the Old Manhattan, uh, me and John and Steve have a very mixed relationship with that particular beer. Uh, this is a beer from Firestone Walker, and it is inspired by the Manhattan Cocktail. Uh, and in fact, John and I also have a Hops and Brews video about making a Manhattan and tasting it with the old Manhattan beer. Uh, and that video didn't go so well because the day before we had opened one of John's two bottles of old Manhattan and me, John and Steve had, had tried it out in his garage and it was for lack of better words, freaking delicious. Uh, there were, there were the, the, just the right notes of vermouth and, 
and this real deep, rich flavor in it. A uh, little bit of spicy notes on the end. It's like, it was everything that you could imagine a beer transformed into a whiskey vermouth cocktail could possibly taste like. Like, in the best way. Uh, and we're like, we have to make a video of this. And so, John and I did a Talking Heads episode. And then immediately after, we filmed a review of the old Manhattan where I made Manhattans. And we opened the beer and and we took a sip of it and both of us immediately like looked at each other went that's not the beer we had yesterday <laughs> same bottle bought from the same store at the same time two wildly different taste profiles uh the second beer was not good so i'm glad that yours was at least acceptable if not delicious and by your report, it was fantastic. So awesome. I'm hoping we just got a bad bottle and not that there's a bunch of bad bottles floating around. So that does it for the news tonight. Uh, we've got 15 minutes left. 1520-ish. Uh, I guess the floor is now open. For anyone who would like to yeah. drop a comment, ask a question. Talk about Elder Scrolls lore. Um, <laughs> or whatever. You know. You're like Stephen Colbert when it comes to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I got I got some Lord of the Rings lore too, if y'all oh, want to talk. Oh I know. I know you do. <laughs> a little rusty, but I'm I can I think I can muddle through. I can hang, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can hang. Yeah. I, can hang. I like that. Uh, let's see. How was the queen from Indeed Brewing? Um, definitely whiskey. <laughs> it is definitely whiskey aged. Hold on. Let me give it a, a proper. Stir that bad boy up. Stir that bad girl up. Cause it's the queen. very rich in almost like a root beer style rich like like a, a good old-fashioned sarsaparilla kind of rich um nice where it's very thick and it's very chocolatey it's very dark chocolate uh or a dark chocolate forward beer um and i'm not tasting really elements of like oak or, or coffee or roastiness or anything like that it's it's not a very complex barrel-aged beer, which is a little bit uh, perplexing to me. But the right notes are poking their way through. And like I said, it's very dark chocolate, and that's the majority of that flavor profile. Finishes a little bit dry, uh, which is kind of counter to to the, the opening, which is a very thick, hearty beer. And then you've got this aftertaste of it's not smoke, it's not malt, it's not, but there's something that reminds me there of whiskey, where it's like, it's there. It's not, it's not barging into the room and exploding, but it's, it's definitely there. Definitely a good one. I, I'm enjoying this. So it's not like a rebel coffee beer? Definitely not. <laughs> 
stay tuned for that review. <laughs> uh, Harley asks, best way to ship a beer? Uh, whale ponds. Order yourself a whale pond. Uh, they are boxes that you can buy that are prepackaged with foam meant to hold whatever quantity of beer you would like to ship. Uh, and if you ship beer, uh, pretty much every shipping company, it is against their terms of service. Uh, so pre-weigh it, make your own shipping label and seal the box and then simply drop it off at the shipping organization. So you can ship USPS, FedEx, or USPS. Um, I've had the best results, I think, shipping, shipping beer with FedEx, although that changes year to year. Uh, so right now it's FedEx is what I would recommend. Um, but, uh, yeah, simply, uh, package it beforehand, drop it off and let it go. But seriously, get yourself a whale pod because, uh, I've had a couple of, of exploded beers that have arrived in cardboard boxes that are bubble wrapped. I've never had a damaged beer inside of a whale pod. It's definitely the way to go. And feel free to ship me beer. You know, I got the same address as Jeff. Yep. If you mark enough. something uh, for <laughs> Rhett or for John or for Steve, they will receive those beers. Uh, most of the time unopened. Shout out to John Jay. And he's the only one that's ever shipped me beer. So John Jay, you the man. Uh, right after Novilla Hub. Uh, Matt asks, can you talk about what your use case was for the HP server you featured this week? Is it a secret? Uh, I want to do some stuff with TrueNAS Scale, and I wanted a box that I could add some hard drives with and just play around with TrueNAS Scale. So that's going to be the end game, although I'm taking a couple tangents before that. I'm going to add a graphics card to it, uh, probably see what it can do with that, and, and explore vGPU a little bit more now that it's unlocked and working, and uh, go from there. Daniel wants to know, uh, how do you record videos and not glare from your uh, from your or not glare on your glasses from your monitor? Uh, getting all the angles just right. Uh, so if I move my head all around, right about there, you can start to see one of my lights. Uh, but all of my lights are at direct angles where they will not reflect into the camera, and so they're positioned in a way that are opposing to me, uh, but not complementary angles to the camera. And it, it takes some finagling, but I've, I've usually got a pretty good hang, uh, handle on it. Uh, yeah, that's the best I can, I can answer is, uh, if your camera is facing right here, don't put a, a, a light at a 45. It has to be greater <laughs> or, or narrower than that. Um, uh, and, and that goes for vertical space too. Cause right now I have, I have a light that's right here like directly above and it's a spotlight that's my key light uh but it is about 15 degrees off tilt from that and also about 30 degrees up so avoid 90s and 45s and you're probably good to go it also helps if you just have 2020 and you don't have to wear glasses right um see i don't have i don't have the best lighting in here and oh see perfect it's not an issue anymore Right. And look how evenly lit you are. It's like, yeah. you know what you're doing. See, Jeff gave me some lights, but unfortunately, I, at, as it stands in the moment, I, I just don't have the room to use them with my, the way I'm set up. That will change. So, you know, for now, I just got this sweet, you know, desk lamp over here. Mm -hmm. It's just shining right on me. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit above the camera, about parallel. Good to go. 
you know, <laughs> just don't have glasses. It would yep. be an issue if I had them, I'm sure. Look, now it's reflecting off my eyes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Stupid, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and Novella Hub recommends using UPS uh, to ship and pack in whale pods. And like I said, the best advice I can give you is uh, package it before, seal the box shut, put the label on it yourself, and then just drop it off because they will never question that. If you go there and you have them weigh it and they yeah. handle it and they're going, so what are you shipping today? Is it anything fragile, breakable, blah, blah, blah? And you go, well, I'm shipping some not beer to a, a friend of mine. And they're like, well, we can't ship beer and you'll be denied. So. Mm. Extra shout out to Novella Hub because secretly he got that comment in before you even mentioned whale pods the first time. So. Bravo. I, I, I got it. I wasn't going to say it, but since it came up again. Yep. He said it before you. All right. Uh, uh, also, he says that you're sharing some dragon's milk with me. So hmm. I will be sharing some dragon's milk. Uh, I, I, I got not only dragon's milk. I, I saw a pack of eight that's coming our way. That's some of the reserve stuff. Have you ever Finally. had a, have you ever had a dragon's milk special reserve? No. I've had I've had two of them. I want to say I've had the white dragon and I've had the the chai, uh, but he's got some stuff coming our way. Finally, our friendship pays for itself. I mean, it has never before now, not even once. I can't think of a single instance in which it's paid, but now it does. Thanks to it's a phenomenal Hub. camera and computer that you happen to be using right now, which happens to be company property. It's that's fine. It's stamped <laughs> right on the front of it. I can't sell it. <laughs> Big bold letters, craft computing. And I tried. I did. Yep. I yep. they sent it. The eBay buyers sent it back. Oh, uh, let's see. I've been using your guide for VGPU and it's been working great with my GTX 1060. Thank you for posting that. You are very welcome. Been using scale for a while and it's been a good experience so far. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I am so glad the VGPU video is doing well. Uh, and that people are actually able to use it. Like, like that was a two week process. I didn't post a video for two weeks because I was working on that video for two weeks. Can we talk about how involved that was for oh, a moment? Good. Yes. Let's, let's talk about how involved that particular video was. Like, first of all, so, you know, Jeff tells me, he's like, Hey, I got this video it needs to be edited looking for like a, this day. No problem. We can do it. Right. Got it. I didn't even look at it yet. I was like, Psh, yeah, no, getting pretty good at turning these things around. Yeah. And I open it up, you know, and he's like, well, it's going to be like a 25 minute video, which is pretty crazy. Right. Which is like, mm, his last video was 25 minutes. So let that tell you what's up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, and that was a fast video to edit. <laughs> so I opened this one up and I can't remember. I think it was Epost Vox on Twitter the other day posted like, you ever like working on a video and you scroll out on your whole timeline and like regret it. And I was like, <laughs> that was the story of my life for like two weeks where, yeah. you know, Jeff is every day like, Hey, how's this going? I'm like, okay, like this is where I'm at. And so not, I think I put 12 hours of editing into it and that's not even factoring like what Jeff put into it after me. Yeah. So, so, so Rhett would edit and he'd go like, I'm done for the night. And it's like, okay, I'll put in a couple hours. And, yeah. and I, and I would, 
uh, go through and polish a couple of scenes up and I would uh, do some more rough cutting. And then it's like, okay, I got to tap out because I got to keep working on something else now. And uh, yeah, so Rhett, can I just say you are an absolute trooper for that video because holy <laughs> crap. Um, well, and, and then and then the technical issues that we kept coming up against too. Yeah. It was like constant server crashes and things. It's like, um, so Rhett edits on a virtual machine in my server stack, uh, and it's passed through with a <laughs> Quadro P620. Uh, so it's a Pascal based GPU, four gigabytes of Ram, but it's only a GP 107 and, and it's, it's definitely not the best video editing card. Um, it, it's been working. It worked today. It's, it's been working flawlessly for, for months. And, uh, but I think this video was just, it was punching <laughs> above its weight class. And, and so the virtual machine would constantly just hard lock where Parsec would die and windows stopped responding and all network traffic stopped. Like I couldn't even ping the machine locally when it crashed. And, uh, so the way we had it set up originally was the, the P620, uh, passed through PCI express. I had 16 gigs of Ram and eight CPU cores. And, uh, and this is a 2667 V2. Like it's, it's not a slouch as far as CPU performance goes. Um, and he kept crashing and he kept crashing. And I went, I'm going to give you some more memory. I'm like, well, how much do I have available? I have 128 gigs in that server. And this is one of the only things on it. Tell you what, I'm going to give you like 64 gigs of RAM. I'm going to give you half the memory of my entire virtual of my entire virtual server. Um, he still crashed it. So to finish that video, not only did Red have to spend like 16 hours of his own time or of, of time doing it, plus me throwing in probably at least six into it. Uh, in the end, I had to end up giving him uh, Parsec access to my editing rig, which is yeah. my 5950X, 3090 and 128 gigs of RAM. That's yeah. what that video took to edit. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where I just like, not only was it so crazy at my day job and I'd be like, okay, Jeff, like I'm, I'm gonna work on this now. Like kiddos mm -hmm. going to bed and like, you know, I'd be working on it until like midnight or whatever. And like, okay, VM crash. Okay. Jeff, it crashed. Let me know when you got it. Up. And he'd text me like 5am like, all right, it's up. Yep. <laughs> okay. Time to get it in two hours. Go before I again. Go to work. <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, it's so stressful, but like the yeah. end result was just so worth it, in my opinion. It was such a good video. Yeah. Um that that one is definitely one that I am so incredibly proud to have made. Um it's definitely the most work I've ever had go into a video as far as scripting and preparation and and making sure that like I've done tutorials before and and I try to be so exact for my tutorials so even a beginner could make their way through. The subject matter we were in in this one is not beginner subject matter. There is a crap ton that can go wrong through this entire process. And uh, and in fact, I had something go wrong, which took me four days to solve. And that was the getting through Git clone or downloading a zip and unzipping. That took me literally between three and four days to track down. Uh, and you will not believe how pissed off I was when I finally got it to work and realized that was the issue. Uh, because my script up to that point was rock solid. Every other piece of my script that I had written worked. And, and for some reason, when I went to put everything together and run and run the VGPU unlock script, it would like half be active and then half also not be active. But then when I went, 
there's no difference in these two files, but I'm just going to copy the old script because the old script worked and it and it freaking worked. It's like <laughs> I, love I, it. I, 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 I did that at like six o'clock one evening and I literally went, it works. I turned off the computer. I went upstairs and I went to bed. <laughs> That's how I finished the day. I went, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, it works. I'm done. Uh, I'm going to bed. Good night. And I went to bed. Good. Yeah, that was one of those. That was one of those whole weeks. And I remember interrupting you to come and get some desk legs of all thing while you were filming. And yeah, and I was like, "Dang, you're still filming? Jeez, like, what the hell's wrong with you?" Well, and you Shouldn't know, this one be done. By the well, way, I also had to film that video twice. Yeah, and that I remember that. So I had I, three I hours of raw footage twice on that one. You had more than three hours the second go around. Yeah, you had second over four hours of footage that I went through. Well, I didn't get through it. Well, I, I guess I did get through all of it. Got but, through it. But that was, you're like, it's a 25 minute video. So do you give you guys, I, I think that 25 minute video must've dropped by now. Mm -hmm. There's another one that's 25 minutes. That was a server video. That was 25 minutes. Yeah, that was, that was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that was like 24, 25 minutes somewhere in there. Yeah. And um, he had like, uh, maybe like 90 minutes to two hours about, at most I think it was about 90 of, of raw footage you yeah, can throw like b-roll in there if you want to but it was it was a 90 minute shoot for yeah like let's like if we're talking like a roll footage it was like 90 minutes yeah and that was a 25 minute the other one he had was like four hours and 12 minutes and i just remember being like what <laughs> how did oh my he God. This 20? you know did he was, leave the camera on for two hours because was, i've done that before <laughs> I've, I've, that I've, would have been a welcome that would have been a welcome sight yeah but no that it was great i'm super glad it's over with and i am holding my breath until the next time but yeah uh the one that jeff sent me today well he sent it to me the other day it's like oh god this is gonna be an easy one and jeff literally the first thing he says is i'm gonna make this a quick one i'm like oh thank god <laughs> uh uh the last one that you edited wasn't that like only like 45 minutes of raw footage like like i flew through that one yeah it was yeah i think it was like an hour 45 so, to yeah. an hour yeah yeah not counting b-roll but yeah b-roll doesn't doesn't really factor in you know right you just look at it you're like this goes here i need 12 seconds of this i need 16 yeah, exactly. seconds of that yeah um yeah so yeah my, my most recent shoot was i i will say under an hour and that'll probably end up being probably an 11 12 minute video yeah, Maybe. it's somewhere in there. It's it is a little shorter. At first, I was like, "Geez, are you gonna be able to monetize this?" <laughs> it's like by the time I was cutting everything out, I was like, yeah. "Oh boy!" But uh, no, I think if you factor, why do you think I do those lengthy beer reviews at the end of some videos? Yeah, the beer review. Plus, you did like two beer reviews this time, so uh, <laughs> don't spoil it. Well, I gotta give the the true Talking Heads fans but a little holy bit to go on. crap. That is yeah. the worst beer I have ever opened on this channel. He had me laughing. You know, we got we got 106 beers, so th these these are the true fans here. Yes. Uh, he had me laughing harder than almost any other video, and <laughs> like so, there's some such minor things that Jeff does that gets me going sometimes. But he did his he he cracked his beer open right at the beginning before he said anything before he did his intro, and he just he couldn't he couldn't do it and. 
God, I was laughing so hard because I'd never seen him have a reaction like that before. <laughs> and I've had some pretty good reactions to some pretty bad beers or beers yeah. that I disliked. This was beyond that. This was yeah. this was just straight up foul. <laughs> he gave it a real go. So I got I got to applaud him for that. I don't know <laughs> if I would have poured it out. I probably would have just muscled through personally. I, but you know. no, you wouldn't. I'll give you one. <laughs> I want to see it. Okay. I want to see you muscle through all of eleven ounces of that crap. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a go. Who knows? I'll I'll, I'll probably I'll, I'll give you that it was probably much more foul than came across on camera. It, but oh man. Uh. My description of it, of like gas station ish, (laughs) dead on. Well, and what's funny, what's funny about that too, you're describing the gas station coffee, and I was like, well, I like that. And you're like, and look, even I like that occasionally. Right. It's like, okay, we're in trouble now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I have this this thing where, uh, uh, like, it is definitely not my daily coffee, but you ever pull up to a gas station and the only coffee they have is in a pot and you know the pot's about a week old. And uh, instead they have like those instant machines which dump like half a cup of powder in and then fill it with boiling water. Um, If I'm on a trip, I love that kind of coffee. Oh yeah. It's sweet, it's syrupy, it's just like, it's like Mountain Dew, but warm but like, you know, scalding hot. And it's like, oh, that's that's exactly what I need at like- It's gotta be three served at 195 at, degrees. At like three in the morning when I'm redlining it to Sacramento. Like that's that's the coffee I want right now. Oh yeah. Um, Pretty sure you I had like some of that of, at CES. Yeah, I, I like that kind of coffee sometimes. I, I have to be in the mood for it, but sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. a that's a running joke My my uh, in one of my podcasts is uh, my AM, PM, coffee punch card (laughs) (laughs) yes i i live for the punch card because i drank so much ampm coffee at the time and i would yeah given what your job was yeah right exactly it's just like you know any place i could go it's like gonna be an ampm and then i was open to in the morning where i can get coffee right now exactly and uh and they usually had like deli food at that time right? mm-hmm. so, like, so it's like it was always a good bet yeah. and the place I recorded my podcast was usually early in the morning and it was across the street from an AM PM so like <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get some coffee coffee and, at a pizza pocket and maybe a, a two hour old sandwich like yeah, it, and the sandwiches gonna, are what really you're probably, gonna judge me exactly right. <laughs> the sandwiches are what drew the most jokes but like I they were good. I looked forward to it and enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> G High Pilot says, "Road trip coffee is the best. It's 11 p.m. I'm three hours from home. I can make it." Yeah, I've almost never you know stopped. that coffee. <laughs> I've never stopped when I'm three hours from home. That's nope. like, that's like, I can't stop territory. That's like I gotta pee, but like if I stop now, I just erased my whole day's worth of drive. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Which is a silly mindset to have when you're driving all day. But Right. I, I've done 16 hours in a single sitting before. Like the only thing you stop for is gas. Yeah. And you pee at the gas station or you don't pee. My, my profession is renowned for pee jugs. So yeah, uh, I've definitely perfected peeing in a jug while driving. 
I don't have to do it much often anymore. Thank God. But yeah, I've definitely done the trips where you only stop when you're on E. Yeah. Well, or before, I mean, depending on where you are, geez, that's a big place, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of stretches without gas stations for a while, but, uh, but yeah, I've definitely done those trips before and three hours is like, okay, I'm basically home. Why stop? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Oregon's a big state. Let me tell you. Oh God. I've had a few. I had a, uh, yeah, I drove back from, uh, I've, I went out to Moab, Utah once in one Ooh. trip and on purpose. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my wish to go there, <laughs> right. uh, but I ended up in Moab, Utah and literally drove out there. Client pulled the plug on the money and okay. Drive back. So I drove back in one stop, except for gas. It was crazy. <laughs> and that was a miserable drive. Um, but I remember, I, I remember like stopping for gas, like, I don't know, somewhere east of the Dalles. Cause I had to pump it myself at the time. They had just passed the law where like they didn't need it. So I pumped it myself. I yeah, used if your the county is less than 40,000 people. You have to pump it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, by the way, that's a thing in Oregon. We don't pump our own gas unless your county is literally too small to yeah. facilitate attendance. Even then, I think that's kind of a I think that's kind of a lame excuse because they can definitely get attendance. But anyway, that's a whole other bag of worms. Yeah. But but I remember and I bought a, a fountain drink pop there and I remember and I looked at it and I pulled I walked up to my car and I took one drink from it and dropped it in the trash can. I was like, nope, <laughs> I gotta get home. <laughs> and oh uh, god it was the worst you're I doing this car keys in one hand fountain drink in the other yeah exactly exactly i just remember thinking like i can't i gotta just yeah. get all the way home so yep. um and i did i got home at like 2 30 in the morning but matt welsh red as an amazon delivery driver no but i do i did i don't anymore i did a lot of driving for like five years drove the worst car of all time but got to listen to a lot of music and podcasts yeah. so the organ is still in the 70s for pumping gas uh everybody knocks on it look i i'm gonna say this i don't i like not having to pump my own gas i do it's fine i do Right. You can sit in your car, you make small chat with a guy, you mm -hmm. go on with your life. Everybody acts like it's like some third world oppressive right. country. You can't even pump your own gas. Look, listen, in in Oregon in the wintertime, uh, we're famous for 33 and raining and, and like sideways rain. And two things happen. Number one, we're employing like three people that otherwise wouldn't have jobs. And they uh, make full minimum wage, you know, like not right. that that's like a killer thing right now, but it's like right. they're making money. But but Oregon passed twelve fifty and fifteen dollar minimum wage, depending on the size of your county. And so yeah, there you go. If if you're in Salem or Portland or Eugene or somewhere like that, you're making fifteen dollars an hour to to pump, pump gas. gas. Um so and I know I can guarantee you some of these like small service station guys, mm -hmm. like we got in my hometown, like they're make they're they might be making that they might be making more. Yeah. Uh, and everybody knocks on it, but the truth, like here's the thing, man. How many times have I been in a suit 
or something. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get out. I don't want to dirty my hand. I don't like, yeah. no, I want to sit in my car. I want to get on with my life. Right. Number two, I don't have to get out of my car and smell like gas for the rest of the day. Yeah. And, exactly. and it's wonderful. And some of the people like, man, you live in a small town or you live in a small, like you go to the same place, you get your gas, you do these types of things. You make small talk with the people just like you would at your local convenience store or anything yeah. like that. You actually come to like these people. It's like, I don't know, man. Uh, everybody knocks on it and they look at Oregon like, oh, you're oppressed. Can't pump. Right. I don't want to pump my own gas. I, I, don't. I don't want to. I like the convenience of not. Number one, our gas prices aren't any higher than California or Washington. They're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, they're not even close. Right. Not and, even close. And we still have like full service stations that when you go in and get your, your gas. Can you check my tires? Can you check my oil? They also check your 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 oil, your air pressure, and they wash your windows for you. And and you, you slip them a couple of bucks and, and whatnot. You call it a day. And you call it a day. And it's wonderful. <laughs> I don't even have to get out of my car. I can sit there and, and browse Twitter yeah. while, yeah. It's the guy, great. At the service station in my hometown, they explained it to me, you know, because I used to do the whole tipping thing. And they said, you, you're getting, if you're getting a full tank of gas, mm-hmm. it pays for itself. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't have to tip. The, so you go out of your way to get gas. Or, not out of your way, but it's like you're in a small town. It's like you may as right. well get it there. Why, it, it might cost you a little bit extra because you're kind of in a small town. Yeah. Dude. Pay the extra five, six, seven cents a gallon and freaking get your oil checked, get your tires checked, get your windows washed and move on with your life. For God's sake, everybody's out here acting like I'm a real man because I can pump my own gas. Like, first of all, if that's your metric of what manhood is, like you ought to go ahead. (laughs) False masculinity. All of a sudden we're into that. Yeah. (laughs) That's always what it boils down to, though. You know, know. it's like anytime it comes up, people are always talking about like, I'm more free or I'm more of a man. It's like. Yeah, man, but like it feels good to have people do stuff for you, you know. Uh, like, Novella Hub wants to know: Do they even let you fill a container of gas for your lawnmower? You can fill your own uh, gas jugs, and you can fill your own motorcycle. The and and yeah. you can pump your own diesel. So if you have a diesel truck, you can yeah. fill your own diesel. Um, uh, but gasoline, uh, if you are in a a consumer motor vehicle uh, or commercial motor vehicle, uh, you're required to have an attendant pump the gas for you. Yeah. By law, if and you're I like in the county. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And everybody always acts like, it's like, dude, okay, first of all, like I do a lot of business in Washington, Idaho. I pump my own gas a lot. I also right. drive a 41-year-old motorcycle. I pump my own gas yeah. a lot. You're not better than me. Right. In fact, this is a stupid debate and you're stupid for and, having and, it. And by the way, I still know how to do it and I changed my own oil on my own cars. So... Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Yeah. We're getting, I'm kidding. <laughs> See, I could do it on all my old cars. Oh, sorry. But... I didn't realize I was that much more of a man than you are. Well, <laughs> see anything, all my, the two cars I just sold, I always change my own oil. It's cheaper, but my current car or one of my current cars, my wife's car, I can't even reach the oil filter myself. Uh, so like, I just take it in because at that point it's like, it probably cost me like 15 bucks of labor on top of all the oil. So it's like, eh. I, I will say, uh, I suddenly have to turn in my man card because my truck, <laughs> I never once changed the oil on my own truck. I always took it to, to either the dealership or, or the local place. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, I had a skid plate on my truck 
and the the oil filter is directly above the skid plate and when you opened the uh the the oil dump valve it liked to dump directly onto the rear of the skid plate and then like kind of fan out and so it was always a pain in the ass and always this huge giant mess um nissan frontier 2013 uh and so no matter how you change the oil and where you change the oil, you're always going to get oil just like everywhere, unless you happen to be a shop. And so I always took my my truck in to be serviced somewhere else because they can make a mess of their place and not mine. Yeah, exactly. And it <laughs> takes them half the time. Like they've right. been doing it all day. Uh-huh. Like, come on. Um, it, yeah, it it's fine. There, mm-hmm. There's no man card associated with working on your own car if you don't want to, don't have the time. I have a freaking gardener, for God's sake. I pay a gardener to come and mow my lawn. Did I lose my man card? No. I work... I hate yard work. Yeah, it sucks. I and haven't mowed amount- a lawn in five years, <laughs> and I could not be more proud of that fact. Exactly. It sucks. I work 60 hours a week if you count editing videos for Jeff, like... You know, it's, I don't have the time. I right. don't care. Get, getting craft computing starting started, uh, I worked between 40 and 50 hours a week uh, at my regular job. And then I put usually at least 30 hours into craft computing. And so when was I going to mow my lawn? And number one, I don't like mowing my lawn anyway. I'm not a guy who enjoys the smell of fresh cut grass, even though I enjoy a good IPA. I know that's kind of weird and we talk about lawnmower beers all the time i would rather drink a beer watching someone mow my lawn uh sure and uh so we uh we had some neighbors and and they had a lawn care guy and i'm like you know what i'm at the point in my life i can afford a lawn care guy how much do they charge and they were like 100 bucks a month we'll we'll mow your lawn for you every week i went done that's uh, a great price. My guy's a hundred bucks a month and he comes out twice a month. So right. it's like, no, uh, so, so we bought our new house and, uh, and, uh, we immediately asked our neighbors, who do you use for lawn care? And three of them answered, Oh, we use this guy. And so I said, well, shoot, we'll ring him up. And so we called him and, and he goes, yeah, I'm familiar with the property. I worked it before and whatnot. I said, okay, what do you charge? And he goes, that one, it was about $45, uh, uh, each visit. And we usually had to do that one twice a month. I went done 90 bucks a month. Oh, right. Oh. Like it's less to do my house here than it was at my last house. Love and I have like four it. times the yard here. Um, so anyway, we, we got into, uh, uh, into summer in our first house and whatnot. And it's like, you know what? This place needs a little bit more maintenance. Like our trees need trimmed. Our bushes need, need done. Whatnot. Like how much is it to like bring you out every week? Like, will you give me an hour every week? They said, yeah, we'll give you the same price. So 106 and, and even cut me a discount. So it's like 160 bucks a month. And I don't have to lift a finger and my yard looks amazing. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And next year I'm hiring a pool guy. I'm not doing this either. Like <laughs> listen to you now. <laughs> if you want to make sure I never have to lift a finger in my yard again, please think about joining the Patreon or float plane links are down in the video description. And they'll also keep the lights on around here and help keep content coming to you. And it is 1020, so I think it is time to call this one a show. This has been episode 192 of Talking Heads. You can see us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time right here on YouTube for the latest in beer and tech news. 
Uh, Rhett, do you have anything to pimp for uh, game devs? Nothing Otherwise? to pimp. We're on hiatus, but you can still check us out at gamedevsquest.com. Episode 16.5. Jeff comes on to talk about virtual reality games. Go check that out. Go check out the other That's ones good. if you're interested at all in making your own games. Um, otherwise, you can follow me at Red is Awesome on Twitter uh, for, you know, all my daily shenanigans. Yeah. There you go. Now you're trying to steal my line. Follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing to keep up with daily shenanigans. Not quite like this, but similar. And if you like the content you see, uh, drop this video a like. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. And as always, we will see you same bat time, same bat channel next Wednesday. Cheers, y'all. Later, everyone.